Welcome to the Unity Baptist Church Weekly Sermon Podcast. This week we have Eric Allen with us. Eric is a leader of the Missions and Mobilization Team with the Kentucky Baptist Convention. Eric has faithfully served within the KBC for 23 years. Eric leads a team that is committed to equipping and encouraging believers in Christ and the local church to put their faith into action within their communities. Eric also helps our Baptist associations and mission strategists through trainings, assessments, strategy development, and leader care. Today, he brings a powerful word on how God uses you and what you hold in your hands. If you're in the Ashland or Tri-State area, we would love to see you. More information on how you can connect with us at Unity will follow today's talk. Here is Eric with today's message. What's in your hand? Jesus, for your blood, amen. Powerful, powerful song. I'm so thankful that we are here together this morning and that we can be cleansed by the blood of Jesus Christ. I'm always excited to be here at Unity because I sense when I come in the doors of this place that you are a people who want to be, and not just want to be, but a people who are a mission. I sense it from what I read in your bulletin. Uh, I, I see it on your website. I hear about it from stories that are told. And then I know in just a couple of weeks, you're going to be doing something called Impact Ashland. And man, that is exciting to think about the many different ways that you are going to be on mission in this community. So I praise the Lord for that. If you would, take your copy of God's Word and turn with me to Exodus chapter 4. And while you're turning there, let me just share with you a story. I, I know that none of you have ever had one of those calls where they're trying to sell you something. Am I right? Never had one of those, have you? Well, there, there's a little, little boy who had answered the phone one day and the gentleman on the other end was one of these sales callers. And he just simply said, is your mother home? And the little voice said, she's busy. He thought, that's interesting. Um, is there anybody else? Is your dad home? Could I speak to your dad? He's busy too. Now this has really got the salesperson's curiosity up, right? And he's thinking, what in the world is going on in this home? This little voice is telling me that the mother's busy and the father's busy. So salesman said, is there anyone else in the home? And the little voice said, yes. Waiting for a response, he didn't get one. So the salesman said, well, who is there? The police are here. Oh, it's getting interesting now, right? So the salesman says, can I talk to one of the police? No, they're busy too. Well, this, this is really interesting. This guy's thinking, I, I, you know, this is not going to be an easy hang-up call. I've, I've got to follow this through and see what's going on. He says, is there anyone else in your home? Yes. Well, who, who's there? The firemen are here. Can I talk to one of the firemen? No, they're busy too. Well, can I ask... What is everybody doing? They're looking for me. <laughs> you ever feel like people are looking for you? Everybody wants you to respond to the next request. Everyone wants you to sign up for this next event. Everyone wants you to be a part of whatever it is they're doing. 
Well, you know, you can hide from the firemen. You can hide from the police. You can hide from a lot of people, but let me tell you something. You cannot hide from God. And God is calling each of us to be involved in ministry. As a matter of fact, Ephesians 2 10 says this. We just read part of Ephesians chapter 2 a while ago. But Ephesians 2.10 says this. We are God's workmanship created in Christ Jesus for good works. Each and every one of us this morning has been created by God very specifically. We are all unique. We've been given gifts, resources, talents, even our life experiences, all of that has been entrusted to you and to me so that we might live out and do good works that honor the Father. I want us to look at Exodus chapter four, but before we do, let me remind you of a couple of things that have taken place in the previous chapter, Exodus chapter three. You'll remember that, that Moses has been talking to a bush that was burning. Do you remember that story? He's out in the wilderness and, and this bush catches fire, but the fire doesn't consume the bush. And a voice comes from the bush, which is God, and he speaks to Moses and he says, I've got a job for you, Moses. I've got a specific task that I want you to do. I want you to lead my people out of Egypt. I want you to lead my people out of bondage, where they had been for many, many years. So let's pick it up and let's look at Exodus chapter four, beginning with verse one. Then Moses answered, what if they won't believe me and will not obey me, but say, the Lord did not appear to you. The Lord asked him, what is that in your hand, Moses? It's a staff, he replied. Then he said, throw it on the ground. He threw it on the ground and it became a snake. Moses ran from it, but the Lord told him, stretch out your hand and grab it by the tail. So he did that. He stretched out his hand, he caught it, and it became a staff in his hand. This will take place, he continued, so they will believe that the Lord, the God of their fathers, the God of Abraham, the God of Isaac, and the God of Jacob has appeared to you. Would you pray with me? Father, thank you for your word. Your word, written many years ago, speaks to our hearts today. I pray that you would open our eyes to the truth of your word, that we would hear from you today, Lord, and that we would respond in a way that is pleasing to you. In Jesus' name I ask this, amen. There are some truths we can learn from this passage of scripture some things that we can learn that I hope will help us as we seek to fulfill our calling, to be on mission with whatever it is that's in our hand. Let me ask you something. What is it that's in your hand this morning? Think about that just a moment. What do you hold in your hand? You're like, well, I'm, I'm not holding anything. I've got my Bible in my hand. No, no, I want, think, think beyond that. What is it that you hold? What skill do you have? What resources do you possess? What talent do you have? How could the things that you have in your hand be used for God? That's what we're going to look at this morning because every one of us should be on mission. 
And as you approach this impact Ashland in the coming weeks, my prayer is that every single one of you would find where you are supposed to be serving. What is it that you hold in your hand? Here's some truths we can learn from this passage this morning. The first thing I think we can learn is this. It's a truth that we make excuses. Moses had the what ifs. You ever had the what ifs? Look at verse one. He says there, what if they won't believe me and will not do what I say? The Lord appeared to you. Moses is worried about what might happen. You ever do that? You ever feel like God wants you to do something, but then you begin to think, well, what if this happens? Or what if this person says this? Or, or what if this doesn't come through? Let me share with you something. God will give you the confidence you need if you like it. If you like the resources to do the task God's called you to, you know what? He's gonna provide the resources. If, if you like the courage, you know what? God gives courage. If you say, well, I don't, I don't necessarily have the skills, then, then God's gonna either give you the skills or maybe you've missed what he wants you to do, look a little longer. God will provide what you need. Because we see in verse 14 of this same chapter, one of Moses' concerns was, I don't speak so well. I, 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 Lord, I, I'm not sure I could do this. And then we see in verse 14 that God provides Aaron to speak for Moses. So while Moses had the what ifs, that's not something we should have, the what ifs. If you lack confidence in doing what it is God's called you to do, that's one thing. But if you lack confidence in God providing what you need to do it, that's another. God will provide what you need. And we know from this previous chapter in chapter 3, if you were to look at verse 12, you'll see that God has always already promised to be with Moses. So there's no question about that. And then we see in verse 18 that Moses, uh, God has already told Moses they're going to listen. They're going to hear what you say. And then here just a few verses later, Moses says, well, what if, what if, what if? Show you something else I, I see in this passage that I think will be helpful to us this morning. And that is that God makes the ordinary extraordinary. Look at verse two and three. Lord, I ask him, what's that in your hand? Moses says, it's a staff. Well, we all know what a staff is, right? It's a piece of wood, magic. It was probably pulled off of a, of a tree. Uh, at some point in the wilderness when Moses was out tending sheep, and he began to carve and to make it into something that he could use. And then we see in verse three, God says, throw it down on the ground. And he throws it on the ground and it becomes a snake. Now, how many times have you seen a piece of wood turn into a snake? Moses ran from it. So we know it's not just a figure of speech. This is real. And the Lord says, stretch your hand out, grab it by the tail. So he stretched his hand out, he caught it, and he becomes a staff again. You see, God can take ordinary things and make them extraordinary and use them for his glory. That ordinary piece of wood that, that Moses had, a rod or a staff that was in his hand, I mean, he used it to walk along the hillside to steady him as he walked. He fought off predators with it if they came to him or to the sheep. It was a stick. But do you remember? Do you remember that stick 
he struck a rock at one time and the scripture tells us that water flowed from that rock. He took that same stick, that piece of wood that he'd broken off a tree somewhere and he held it up over the Red Sea and scripture tells us that the water parted and they walked across on dry ground. He took that same stick and he held it up in the air when the Israelites and the Amalekites were in battle and Aaron and Hur even helped hold his hands up and while that stick was up, they were victorious and every time that stick was lowered, they began to lose. Hold it up again, they begin to win. Ordinary stick. But God did something extraordinary with it. You see, we have this idea that God won't use what we have in our hand unless it's something really special and really unique. Something that my neighbor or the person in the pew behind me doesn't have. That's not true. God wants to take whatever it is you hold in your hand and he wants to use it for his glory. Another thing that we see in this passage is this. Following God is not always easy, nor is it the most comfortable thing to do. We just read verse four, and let's look at it again. Lord says, stretch your hand out, Moses. Grab that snake by the tail. So he stretched out his hand and he caught it, and it became a staff. I don't know about you, but I, I don't, I'm not, I won't say I'm afraid of snakes, but you know, I don't like them. If, if you've ever seen a snake, when I was a kid, we, we played with a lot of snakes. I remember carrying a copperhead home one time in a coffee can on a bicycle thinking it was dead when it wasn't. And all my father could say was, that thing could have come up out of that can and got you. You know what I mean? I, so I've been around snakes and you have too. But I know this. I've never reached down to pick up a snake by its tail. That's just not the thing I would do. I would grab it by the head I might put something on it, but I'm not going to reach down and you know, grab it by its tail. There might be some wild uh, you know, outdoorsman who does that, but not me and probably not you. But that's what God told Moses to do. He said, reach down and pick it up by its tail. And Moses is probably going, are you crazy? That's the most uncomfortable. That's, that's not the safest way to do this, Lord. God is calling you and I to use our gifts for his glory. And they're not always going to be easy. What he's asking you to do is not always going to make sense. It's not going to be comfortable. But let me tell you this. If God tells you to do it, it's going to be right. It's going to be right. And so I want to challenge you, whatever it is you hold in your hand, to do what God tells you to do with it. If it's a drill, do what God tells you to do with the carpentry skills that you possess. If you like to cook and you're passionate about making great food, use it for God's glory. If you're an accountant and you're good with numbers or you're good with office, whatever it might be, God can use whatever's in your hand for his glory. What's in your hand? Something else we see in this, this passage that I think is important to note. In verse 20, we learn this. We learn that if what we have in our hand is going to be God's, if we want him to use it, we can't hang on to it. We have to throw it down. We have to sacrifice it. We have to give it up for him. You see, you can't hang on to it and expect God to take it from you. It doesn't work that way. And that's what he said to Moses here. He says, Moses, throw it down. And when Moses does that and, he, and he's obedient to the Lord, then we see something extraordinary happen. 
I want you to look at verse 20. Look at verse 20. So Moses took his wife and sons, put them on a donkey, and set out for the land of Egypt. And Moses took God's staff in his hand. Up to this point, it's been called the rod of Moses. It, it's, it's his staff. It's, it's his. He fashioned it. He uses it. But only after he threw it down did it become God's. What you have in your hand can't be yours and God's. You, you got to give it up. You, you got to throw it down. You got to let God do with it what he wants to do. I wonder, are we willing to do that? Are you willing to lay down your material possessions so that he can be adored and, and magnified by all of, of creation? Are you willing to give up your talents and, and not use them selfishly just for you? What's in your hand? What excuses have you made for not following the Lord as he wants you to follow him? You see, Moses made these excuses. Moses said, well, you know, they're not going to listen to me, Lord, even though God had already told him they're going to listen. They're going to heed to what you say. Moses had another excuse. He said, they're not going to believe me. He had all kinds of excuses. I, I don't speak so well. What excuse have you made for not using what's in your hand for God? What excuse have you made for not using whatever it is you hold, whatever it is you possess, and giving it to him? I want to remind you what was said in what the scripture said in Ephesians chapter 2, verse 10. We are God's workmanship, created in Christ Jesus to do good works. What excuse have you made? Some of you may have said this. This is an excuse I've heard often. Well, you know, what I have, Eric, is just too small. It's, it's really not that big a deal. There's others who do it better. Uh, you know, whatever it is I have, it's just too small. It's too insignificant. Why don't you tell that to the little boy, David, who took five smooth stones and took down Goliath? David, just stay out of the way, buddy. Those little rocks aren't going to do you any good. Or what about the little boy that came to Jesus with the lunch and he had the loaves and fishes? And I mean, that's small, right? When you think about feeding thousands of people, two fish and five loaves, but you think you're going to feed 5,000? Come on, get real. That's too small. That's too insignificant. Why don't you tell that to that little boy? You see, God can use whatever we give him. God wants to use what's in your hand. It's not too small. It's not too insignificant. Let me share with you something that many would think is silly and small. Just very quickly, there's a lady by the name of Bessie McPeak in eastern Kentucky. And Bessie had a ministry. She worked in, in, for the state of Kentucky in her county, and she did uh, social service kind of work, helping families that were on welfare and in, living below the poverty level. And she noticed that the families coming in to see her had great need. And one of the needs that she saw that she identified and wanted to meet was that of mothers who didn't have diapers for the children. Now, that sounds like a simple thing, right? Bessie said, Lord, what do you want me to do? And Bessie felt like the Lord was leading her to begin a ministry to, to mothers and families that needed diapers 
Now, now we might overlook that. We think, well, you can go right across the street here to the Dollar General store and they can buy some diapers, right? But you see, again, God uses it for his glory. So Bessie began to collect disposable diapers. And she began to distribute those disposable diapers to families. And as she collected and distributed those diapers, she began to share the gospel. And she would share the gospel with these mothers and sometimes the fathers. And she would share what Jesus had meant to her and how, I know this might seem like a little thing, these diapers, but I want to give them to you to help you in your time of need. And people came to know Christ because of disposable diapers. What do you hold in your hand? Shirley Cox had been a writer at a young age and she did writing in college and she went on to do other things with her life and, and she came to retirement and she approached me one day and she said, Eric, I'd really like to, to use my gifts and skills in ministry, but I don't know what that would look like. And I said, well, tell me a little bit about yourself, Shirley. What have you done? And tell me what you like to do and what, what do you feel like are your skills and your gifts? And she said, you know, I don't know. I don't know. And she began to think and she processed out loud and she began to remember that years ago she loved to take a pen and just write. She was a writer by heart or passion. She had some training in that years before. Bessie began to write the story of what God was doing to the lives of missionaries. She wrote those stories beginning here in Kentucky about local missionaries and what God was doing. And Her stories were picked up and they were run in articles and in magazines throughout the nation. National WMU picked her up and this is in her retirement and she began to write studies, mission studies. She began to share what God was doing. A pen, a simple pen. What is it you hold in, in your hand this morning? Nothing is too small. Nothing is too insignificant for God to use. I'll tell you another excuse we make many times is this. It's all I've got. It, it's the last one. You don't expect me to use it for you, Lord, really? You want me to give up this, this one thing I've got left? It's, it's all. I mean, once I give it up, it's gone. Let me share with you several examples of how I've seen God use someone giving up their last thing. Her name is Pauline White. Pauline lived in Florida. She had retired. And Pauline thought, you know, she's serving the Lord locally. But she saw a need for a ministry, and so she wanted to come and to help. She began to read about it and think about it. And then she realized, no, it's going to require me moving. She thought, I, I can't move. This is the home that I have, have prepared for retirement. But she began to pray about it. She began to seek the Lord. And she realized that God wanted her to sell her home and to move and to do ministry in a new place. Now, here's the exciting thing. Do you know what she did prior to retirement? She worked in a large national chain grocery producer's warehouse. She was in administrative work, but she also knew how to drive a forklift. She knew how many cases on a pallet. She knew all kinds of stuff about food. And when she sold her home, the Lord provided her a place of ministry running a distribution center in East Kentucky a place where churches and ministries would come to Berea. And they would come there and they would take pallets and truckloads of food back to areas where it was needed. Here's a lady that said, Lord, I've prepared all my life for this. And you want me to sell my home and to move? You see, God had prepared her her whole life for that ministry. 
And she would tell you today that it was one of the most rewarding seasons of her life to be able to use the skills and the gifts that God had given to her to give up what she was holding on to, that last thing, so that he could be honored and glorified. What's in your hand? What is it you possess? Because you see, if you're not careful, what you possess may possess you unless you're willing to give it up and to lay it down for his glory. Another excuse that we make sometimes is this. You might say, oh, it's too small. What I have is too insignificant. You might say, no, it's the last I've got. I can't, I can't give that up. What are you holding in your hand? Maybe you'll say, you know what I have, Lord, are just bad experiences. Lord, you, you couldn't use you, you, my background, my history. Man, I've been through some stuff. Lord, can you, are you really thinking you can use me? Yes. Yes, he can use you. You see, God doesn't waste anything. Amen? God is, is not a waster of anything. And so he can even take the bad in our lives and use it for his glory. He can take it and he can use it in such a way that people will understand that he loves them. The suffering you've been through can be used by God. The, the abuse that you've been through can be used by God. Whatever your experience is can be used by God. Eileen Mullins is another person who used her bad experiences. Eileen would go and visit her son in a prison. He had been convicted of manslaughter. And she would drive down several states, several hour drive to go see her son. And as she would go down there, she would notice the families that came to the prison to visit their loved ones were generally doing without a lot. They didn't have the money to go to the restaurant, maybe the local community, and to eat a good meal and then come back and visit. Many of them didn't have the resources to stay the night in a hotel, so they would sleep in a car so they could visit their loved one the next morning. And on and on she saw this. She saw families, mothers, single mothers with children, sitting in waiting rooms for hours at a time, eating only what was in a vending machine because that's all they could do. And Eileen's heart was to help them, but she thought, Lord, what do I have? My son's in prison. What, what are you going to do, Lord? My experience is not good. But God used her experience. She kept praying Romans 8, 28, that says that God makes everything good for his glory. All things work together for the good of those that love God, and here's the key, and are called according to his purpose. You see, a lot of people hear that scripture and they think what it means is everything's going to be good. That's not what it means. It means all things are going to work together for good if you want God's will done in your life. And that may mean hardship. That may mean suffering. And in this case, God took what was good, her son going to prison, to do something wonderful that would change lives. Because Eileen began to realize that they needed something like that in, in her home community. And so she prayed that over and over and over. One day she took a newspaper and she opened it up and she saw where there was a new federal prison getting ready to be built right in her community. And she thought, Lord, somebody needs to come here and to do all these things we see needed down there. And that was her prayer. Lord, somebody. Well, you know who somebody was, don't you? It was Eileen. And Eileen 
worked with others to develop a nonprofit and to build a ministry center just outside the door of that federal prison. And they do ministry. They house families that are coming to visit. They provide meals. Most importantly, they provide the gospel. And many of those families have come to know Christ because of a bad experience in Eileen's life. Something that she thought she would never get over or get through. But God used that to prepare her for a very specific ministry. What is it you hold in your hand? What is it you hold in your hand? I remember my father who has passed. He had cancer. And he would go and, and do his treatments and he would go several times a week and do the treatments as probably some of you have done or your loved ones. You know what that's like. Time and time again, you go back and you do those treatments and you talk to people. You're there a long time. And I'll never forget the day my father called me and he said, I know why I had cancer. And I thought, oh, this is gonna be good. Why did you have cancer? He said, God allowed me to have cancer so I could share the gospel. And he had led a man to the Lord that he had been seeing week after week, they would go and they would talk. And he developed a relationship with this man and he was able to lead him to the Lord, to faith in Christ. That, my father thought, was his reason for cancer. What are you holding your hand? What is it that God wants to take and use for his glory? Don't think it's too small. Don't think it's too insignificant. Don't think it's, it's something, it's, there's something bad that no one else could possibly use because that is not true. Look at verse five of Exodus four. Verse five says this. It says, this will take place, he continued. So they will believe that the Lord, the God of their fathers, the God of Abraham, the God of Isaac, and the God of Jacob has appeared to you. You see, what you hold in your hand, you hold so that people will believe. That gift, you hold it because people will believe when you use it. That talent, you hold because people will believe when you use it. The resources that are at your disposal will be used for people to come to faith in Christ. My question for you this morning is, will you lay it down? There is nothing more rewarding than laying down what you possess and realizing that God can do far more with it than you ever could. I remember, we, we probably have, I, I'm guessing, do we have any DR volunteers in here? Okay, I thought, I've got, got a few. All right, I thought, I thought we had some in the church, but I wasn't positive. But our DR volunteers go out and, and they use their gifts, their skills. That's just one example. Some of them use chainsaws to minister to people. Now that, that's, that's an interesting picture, isn't it? But you know, they go in and they help take down trees in their yard and they share the gospel with them. They take care of children. They, they clean out a home following a flood. They cook food. And, and one, one of those, uh, Lou, Lou Cook is one of those who's very active in DR, and he went down to Louisiana following Hurricane Katrina. And he was down there working, and they were cooking meals for thousands of people. And there was a, a Salvation Army worker near them who was doing his work. And they shared with him. They, they, they talked to him. They developed a relationship. They were cooking this food, and they had the opportunity to win this Salvation Army worker to faith in Christ. And the Salvation Army worker said this. He said, man, they came 
He said, they came and cooked some really good meals. And we've got a video of him sharing how they had ministered to all the people down there by cooking meals and cleaning pots and pans and providing fresh water for people. And he said, you know, they came, they came to do some good cooking. And then he paused. And this young man that came to faith in Christ said, no, let me think about that. They didn't really come just to cook. They came to share with me about Christ. You see, they used what they held in their hands for his glory. In two weeks, your church is going to make an impact in Ashland, Kentucky. I wonder what it is you're going to do. I hope and pray, and maybe every one of you have already signed up. And I'm just going to tell you this now. Your pastor or Brother Theron, none of them have asked me to say this. But I believe this with all my heart. I hope that every single one of you will find some way to impact Ashland using what you hold. Maybe it's cooking. Maybe it's cleaning. Maybe it's changing the oil on a car. Whatever it is you hold, God wants to use it for his glory. But if you hang on to it, it can't be his too. Would you bow with me? This morning, I've talked and shared from Scripture about how Moses had a rod that became God's. And I wonder, what is it that you hold that God wants to become his? What is it that you have that he wants to use for his glory? Are you willing to give it up? Are you willing to lay it down? Are you willing to say, Lord, I'm done hanging on to it for just me. Lord, I want you to use it. Whatever it is, I pray that you'll do that. And this morning, maybe you're here and, and you've heard me speaking about using what you hold in your hand for the Lord. Well, let me share this with you. You can't use what's in your hand for the Lord if you don't know the Lord. And so this morning, if, if you've been listening to this message and you've never trusted Christ as your Lord and your Savior, you've never made a decision to follow him and to be baptized into this local church, then I want to encourage you this morning to make that most important decision. Just a moment, we're, I'm, we're gonna have a, a, some music and a response time. I'll be standing down here at the front. I'm gonna be praying for you and I just wanna encourage you to respond as God leads you to respond. Maybe you need to come to the altar and say, Lord, what is it you want me to do? God, how do you want me to serve? Lord, what do you want me to do with this gift or this talent? Or maybe you wanna say, Lord, I'm, I'm tired of, of trying to do it all myself. I want to give it up and I want to know you as Lord and Savior. Whatever it is, I, I challenge you to be obedient this morning. Father God, we love you. We thank you for your word. We thank you for the time we've had to worship this morning, to sing and to praise you and to look at your word and to challenge one another. Father, help us to be obedient to you. Help us to use whatever it is you've given us whatever it is you've placed within us, whatever you've, you've entrusted to us and to use it for your kingdom's work. Father, thank you. you Lord, you're, you're such a great God. You could say, you know what? I'm not gonna use any of you, but you choose to use us. You want to use us. I pray we would be obedient. And it's in your precious name we pray. From all of us here at Unity, we would like to thank you for spending time with us today. If you would like to know how to surrender your life to Christ, or if you'd like to share a response, visit us at www.unitybaptistashland.com. We would love the opportunity to help you in your next steps. You can also connect with us on Facebook at UBC Ashland. 
If you like what we're doing, don't forget to like and subscribe and share our podcast. Until next time, may we do as Psalm 119.10 says, With my whole heart I seek you. Let me not wander from your commandments.